What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another episode of Curveballs and Chair Shots. My name is Brandon Tango. i sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, how are you doing today? Well, it's a somber Friday afternoon. We have a lot of things going on in the world, Brandon. Let's, let's not be too excited, okay? Okay, I guess that's Dominic's serious voice. And unfortunately, once again, we got to start off with some Hall of Fame deaths in the world of baseball. I thought I woke up today a little later than I normally did. When I mean later than normal, I mean like five minutes before we just started. Don Sutton passed away a few days ago. Hall of Fame pitcher, over 300 wins. But then Dominic said, oh, we're going to talk about Hank Aaron dying. I did not believe him. So that I, you know, validate because I didn't know if Dominic was just fucking with me. But no, Hank Aaron, the unofficial, quote-unquote, official home run king, has passed away at the age of 86. Dominic, your thoughts, these two Hall of Famers. Obviously, Hank Aaron is going to garner a lot more of the attention, the the big name, but uh, another couple of passings that we have to talk about on the start of the podcast. I just don't know when this shit's going to – I mean, I understand, you know, life, death, and taxes are the three only confirmed – you know, things that happen in life, but when's it going to end, Brandon? Do we need to stop the podcast or something for these, you know, deaths to stop piling up? Because I feel like every episode, it's just another one after another and another and another. Um, but the biggest one for me is Hank Aaron, of course. I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, not to take anything away, but he he's, he's did so much on and off of the field that you just – it's he, he's one of a kind, you know, and you say official, unofficial home run king, you know, what he did in his time, remarkable. So he's definitely going to be missed uh, on every front as a baseball player, as a civil rights activist, as just everything in life. He's going to be truly missed. Yeah, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, one of the obviously one of the greatest black baseball players of all time, you know, goes from Jackie Robinson to Willie Mays that right after Willie Mays's era, you know, Hank Aaron picks up right where Mays kind of left off. And uh, I mean, Hank Aaron, obviously hell of a baseball player. He will be missed. And as you said, you know, he civil rights activist. He did great things on and off the field. And, you know, also got to give some respect to Don Sutton, maybe not the biggest name in the world, but 300 wins hall of famer. He will also be dearly missed as well. So we have some some passings in the world of baseball. Now let's get on into current day Major League Baseball. We have some more news to talk about. We have the San Diego Padres continuing to make some moves. They got a trade with the Pittsburgh Steelers or Pittsburgh. God damn it, I did it again. The Pittsburgh Pirates. They get Joe Musgrove. They continue to build up that rotation. This is kind of the very, very end of their rotation. But with Mike Clevenger being out, they still have some few holes to fill. And now they got Musgrove. The Padres just continue to load up. And also today, the Padres re-signed Jerickson Profar. Shout out 
his wife makes a fantastic group beer float, Dominic. Would you agree about that? I I do agree, but I will put a little disclaimer. Um, don't eat don't eat and or drink more than like one and a half. Well, I mean, I had like two or three, and I was perfectly fine. Just saying. Just know your limits. If you have maybe a weaker yes. stomach, don't go too hard on the Rupert floats. If you have a Rupert yeah. float day at the exactly. Oakland Coliseum, which you have Rupert floats to uh, run, make a fundraiser for <laughs> children's diabetes, which I still don't really understand, but you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, it, it's a uh, you know, just just yet yeah, know your limits. You don't want to, you know, get in your friend's jeep and then halfway, not even halfway home, get queasy and then you know, thank God for Jack in the Box. Amen. God bless Jack in the Box bathrooms. But uh, Padres continue to make moves. Dominic, do you think they're done? They kind of fortified all their rotation pieces. They get Profar. He's more of like a utility guy, kind of that, you know, second baseman, backup guy. Do you? I know we've kind of talked about this before, but Padres, are they legit? Do you see them making a legitimate run at the World Series this year? I'm going to say no. And that's just because I, this past few years, money hasn't really gotten any team's rings. It's, I mean, granted, the Dodgers, you know, they they totally have money and won last season. But the years before that, they got all the way to the end, couldn't get it done. So I'm 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 I, I wouldn't rule them out for making a deep playoff run, but I don't see them winning the the World Series. All right, then we stay, uh, go over to the. East Coast, where John Lester has signed with the Washington Nationals, longtime veteran lefty, still has, uh, I think, some innings left in that arm. He was with the the Cubs, won the World Series with the Cubs in 2016. He was also kind of vocal that possibly that team's a little complacent after they won the World Series. And I think with the addition of John Lester, the Washington Nationals are making some moves to uh, bolster their team. They're going to be better than they were last year. You have Juan Soto, one of the best players in the world. You have Steven Strasburg and Max Scherzer, one of the best one-two punches in the game. And following that up with Lester, I think that's really important for the Nationals to have a bounce-back season next year. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Lester, but I feel like he's been not really... He's on a, on a very, very slow decline in my opinion. I feel like he hasn't really been the same since the Red Sox, so... I mean, granted, he is a good pitcher. I'm not going to take that away from him, but he hasn't really been he hasn't really been on my radar for the last couple seasons. He's not the one two guy that he was in Chicago, Oakland, and the Red Sox. Trigger warning. I'm sorry, but definitely uh, not. Definitely not with the with the A's. Yeah, he, I mean, he he was he was pretty damn good. But we're not gonna, we're not going to talk about that wild card game. We I've gotten past it. Deep press, deep press. But anyways. Putting him in that three hole, I think that's a, a good spot for him to land. And it, he, if he's still ring chasing, if he still wants to win ball games, which I think that's what John Lester is—he's a very competitive guy. That the Nationals, they're not the top top tier of guy. Like it's not like he signed with the Dodgers, the Padres, maybe even the Blue Jays, which we'll talk about. The uh, I think the Nationals, this is a good move for them. He still can't pick off to save his life. But anyways, I, I like the move and we're kind of seeing the nationals kind of every single week. We talk about them making these little moves here and there. They haven't made like a big name splash, 
which there's still some names out there. Don't think they're going to get Trevor Bauer by any means, but th- there's still some moves out there for maybe Washington to catapult themselves and take over the Braves in the East. Staying in the East, we have the Toronto Blue Jays being kind of the big winners of Hot Stove this week. Could have been bigger, but they signed Kirby Yates, former Padres closer, and they get one of the big fishes in the pool, George Springer. So the Toronto Blue Jays made the playoffs last year as a wild card team. They get bounced in the first round to the Rays, but they're a really young team, good young core. Now they add these two really good veteran pitchers, Springer or players. Springer, one of the best players in the game. Yates was one of the best closers two years ago, had some injury issues last year. So he wasn't able to really uh, follow up that really good season. So Dominic, what do you think about these two moves the Blue Jays made? I mean, I, like you said, I mean, not the biggest fish in the pond, but definitely one of them with, Spring, uh, with Springer. And I mean, I don't see, I mean, definitely he's starting, but I don't see would, where, where would you, where would you have him in that lineup? Do you, do you have an idea? I think you put him just right there in the middle. You make him three, maybe two, three, four, something in that, uh, in that nature. I don't know exactly. I, I mean, I could maybe pull up the lineup and see if I can, uh, kind of plug him in there maybe someone already has plugged them in there well but... i mean i'm I'm just thinking because you still got what uh what's his name vlad jr right who's looking very sloth stealth very skinny very skinny but i mean i feel like with them too i mean you have a good you know a good core right there with with big bats and you know stuff like that so i mean definitely good addition like you said yates with the uh, few injuries i i definitely see him helping that lineup with that rotation being that i'm sure he's closer the closer now but you know injuries can really affect the psyche and a lot of things going forward so just hopefully has a great season so i looked up their lineup from their last game against the rays so they had Kevin biggio leading off bobachette to uh what is this guy the center fielder i grishik Grinchuk, whatever his name is, batting three, Vlad Jr. four, Guriel five. So I think, and uh, Grinchuk is their center fielder. So I think he just plugs right in, in that three hole. And I think that's a, a perfect spot for him. I think the uh, Blue Jays, I'm not saying they were like a piece away, but them making the wild card, making the playoffs last season was really helpful for them to get and gain experience and be able to better themselves. Springer, definitely a big addition. Kirby Yates, also a really big addition. If he can follow up what he did two years ago, and be one of the best closers in the game. That'll definitely help them. You got the Rays and the Yankees in that division. The Red Sox, I mean, they were god-awful last year, but you, you never know. Maybe their, their young guys kind of get their shit together. But I still wouldn't say the Blue Jays are, like, there, like, on the cusp of really making a deep, deep run. I have definitely more faith in the White Sox and the Padres at the moment than the Blue Jays. But maybe two years from now, they can – uh make a run but if everyone plays to their highest full potential i definitely have faith that the blue jays could do some damage this year though and but that's the thing you got to play to their fullest potential and you still got covid protocol you still have you know all those little bugs and everything that can happen they might still be playing in buffalo this year we don't know oh you never know you never know but we'll have to wait and see you never never know well we thought the blue jays were going to get another big fish in the free agent pool and that was Michael Brantley. It was a whirlwind of emotions on on Wednesday. Uh, Hazel May came out and said that he's signing with the 
Toronto Blue Jays for like a two-year deal. And then kind of there's some rumblings and then people dispute that. And then it comes out that he's not signed, but the Blue Jays are still in contention. And then by the end of the day, he signs, re-signs with the Houston Astros. Just crazy, like 12-hour span of what Brantley was apparently on one team and now he's on another team. I mean, for me, I don't like that kind of shit. I don't like the toe in, toe in the, you know, one team and then he kind of just darts back to another. I think that's kind of fucking scumbaggy, but I don't know. I think Houston, well, Houston is full of scumbags. So it doesn't really matter, but it's whatever. I don't really care about this guy. I, I think Houston can keep him. Blue Jays are better off without him. Madonna got some hot takes about Michael Brantley. I thought Michael Brantley was probably the best, I wouldn't say bargain of the uh, the free agent pool, but I really did like what he did last year. He was one of the more consistent guys in that Astros lineup, especially with everything that was going on with the scandal. You saw Altuve was very much struggling. Bregman was out with injuries. So really Brantley and Springer were like the two consistent throughout that entire Astros season. That was definitely a down year for them. And I think Brantley would have been a really good fit with the Blue Jays, a really a good fit with any team. But with the Astros losing Springer, I think having the Astros re-sign Brantley was just an even bigger uh, move for them to make because you have that big hole in the outfield. And Brantley's not playing center field. I don't even. I don't think he played center field even when it was with the uh, Cleveland baseball team. But I do like this move. I like Brantley as a player. I think he's a good old veteran hitter. He's not going to waste any pitches. He's going to find his pitch and he's going to hit it. So I very much like this move. So then moving on in the world of baseball, we got some uh, some not so not so good news. We had uh, a, a dick pick instant with the New York Mets. I should have put this on my thing a little earlier, but Jared Porter, the former general manager for the New York Metropolitans. He, just like Carlos Beltran last year, is not even going to be an official GM for a single game because he had a just a, a relationship, just strictly like a friendship, business relationship with a female reporter. And he took it upon himself to send 62 unsolicited messages, unresponded text messages, including some dick pics. And this came out. And now he's fired. So goodbye and good riddance. I literally thought you were to say he sent 62 dick pics. I'm like, God damn. How many I, angles I, I, do you fucking I realized <laughs> when I was saying when I was saying that I was kind of leading down the path of it sounded like 62 dick pics, but I had to clarify. But I, OK, I'm just saying, though, wrinkled throughout those 62 messages. That would have been fucking just I mean, don't say I mean, amazing, Dominic. Do not say no, that. Do yeah, no, 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 no. I'm going to say this situation is uncalled for. I mean, this guy deserves to be fired, you know, everything like that. So, you know, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying not to make light of the situation because it's wrong, but I mean, 62 messages. I mean, after the first five, I probably would have been like, oh, okay, clearly she's, you know, not interested or something like that, but never would have sent a dick pic without, you know, asking. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, this sucks. And she's a foreign reporter as well. So it kind of adds like a different kind of element to it. And she's a female reporter in the sports world with that. She's just a whole different can of worms. And, you know, there's women that have to deal with this shit all the time. And they don't report it because they know if they say something, then they just get blackballed and it's a big old deal. So guys, don't send unsolicited dick pics. But with yeah. that being said, though, I do feel like this 
new era of speaking out and everything. I think hopefully th- with this woman coming forward, it will kind of maybe motivate other female and even male. Cause I'm sure there's males that get this stuff too, that don't want it or, you know, cause you know, there's, un- you know, there's undercover closeted people that don't want their business out there, but you know, I'm ho- hopefully this will motivate others to speak out as well. Amen. Dominic, Amen. handle that a little bit better than Travis over at Trapdoor to hell. Well, I don't know if I'd say better, but he basically just went on this long tangent about sticking his penis in a rat trap and then sending dick pics to the boys. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know how to come. Moving on. Let's talk about the NFL. Phillip Rivers has announced his retirement. He obviously longtime great San Diego slash Los Angeles Charger. Played a season with the Colts, got bounced in the wild card round to the Tennessee Titans, and Phillip Rivers officially has retired. Dominic, I know as a Raider fan, you probably have a love hate relationship with Phillip Rivers, but just your overall thoughts on him finally retiring, hanging him up, and maybe where do the Colts go from here? Well, I'm, I'm, he had a great season with the Colts, I think, in my honest opinion. Definitely, you know, not, not one of his better seasons, but, a decent, a good one to to hang the the helmet up with. Um, at, like you said, as a Raider fan, there is those games where you you just fucking yell his name, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But you, he was probably one of the great, not gonna say greatest, but one of the greater quarterbacks not to win a ring. So I, I'll give him that. Can definitely pull everything out of his ass when needed. Um, you know, had a great love for the game. And, you know, kind of went out with a little bit of a bang, you know, too bad he couldn't do everything in San Diego slash L.A., but definitely, de- definitely a right time for him to, to hang it up. Philip Rivers, one of the, I, I don't know if I, I, the best charger of all time. Sorry, Dan Faust, but I will go with Philip Rivers over Faust on that one. Uh, I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer going to the Colts. Everyone and their mom is like saying that maybe this is the spot where Carson Wentz is going to land. I don't know. I, I know we kind of talked about it maybe a little bit earlier, but it was just if, if he was going to be a backup to Philip Rivers for a year, that's a very expensive backup. I maybe you try to find something in the draft. You have Jacoby Brissett still back there. What, what do you think the Colts are going to be going in this quarterback decision making decision direction? I mean, if they go with Wentz, I mean, are you? signing him or are you trading him trading for him so that that would be my thing and you know like you said to, it you is have to trade for him he's still under contract for the next four years or exactly years. so it's it's gonna be you know hefty in my opinion i don't i mean not that the eagles probably want a lot for him but i mean you know he is a he is a starting capable quarterback so and he he's carson Wentz to me is still a decent quarterback i mean he had a bad couple of years, you know, but what what are you going to do? So, um, yeah, I don't know what happens. Um, if you, if you start per set, I don't think, I don't think you have a great season like you had. I don't see them going anywhere with him. So I think they do need a, a, either a veteran presence with Carson Wentz, or you need to just to go fuck it and draft a quarterback and just make him your, hopefully your franchise quarterback going forward. 
we shall see about that then we go from one veteran retiring to one veteran getting released mark ingram he has not really been playing with the ravens for the last few weeks he's been a healthy scratch he has finally been released veteran running back kind of hard to find a job unless you're frank gore i mean he had a, he had a good career with the saints had a really good career with his short time with the ravens Dominic, your your thoughts on Mark Ingram getting released? Any moves you think? Do you think he lands anywhere? Or do you think this is the end for Mark Ingram? It depends, man. I mean, not I mean, like you said, Frank Gore's still playing, so I don't see why Ingram couldn't play, but I don't really see him landing anywhere that would need that veteran presence. I mean I mean, if, if it's hard for me not to call him a piece of shit because every time I fucking played him this season, he did not produce oh, God, shit for here me. Here we go. That's why I'm I'm holding back. I'm holding back a little bit. I got I got a little bit of my emotions out with that, but um, you know, I he he can go to a lesser team. I mean, honestly, he should just hang it up on, on just say goodbye. Just say goodbye. All right, now let's move on into some uh, moves. We have one player move, and this one was a little bit of a head scratcher, I think, for people around the league. Dwayne Haskins, he was cut by the Washington football team, and he has landed somewhere before the season's even over. He has signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Very, a lot of question marks about Big Ben. People say, I mean, he did kind of look cooked in that playoff game against I know you threw for 500 yards, but still, those were just garbage time. They're letting them throw all those yards in anyways. But Dwayne Haskins, a kind of a headache. Not so good when he's on the field. Not so good when he's off the field. Signing with the Steelers, quote-unquote, you would say good culture over there. But they've also had their fair share of headaches with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Dominic, your thoughts on this move, and what does this mean for the future of Big Ben? The only thing I can picture is because didn't 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 Dwayne sign with uh one of their agents or something like that right something one something of their agents that. yeah didn't did he sign some deal with one of the Pittsburgh coaches like agents or something like that come on Don come you on. can't just be bringing shit up and then not <laughs> and then me just getting caught off guard how the hell am I supposed to remember this shit you're 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 one of the smartest people I know, Brandon. You well, I'm not sorry. I don't remember Dwayne Haskins agency and the links to it. Come on. You should. Anyways, I, the only thing I can see is him kind of going under big Ben's arm for one season. Maybe Ben has one season left one or two, maybe. And just, and maybe big Ben gives him, gives him the fear of God speech, which is like, look, if you want to make it in this league, you got to be on your game on and off the field. Cause I feel like big Ben besides some, some of the earlier shit in his career, um, you know, I feel like he's been one of those steady quarterbacks. So maybe it's just him learning from one of the, one of the great quarterbacks in the league. I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger's done. I think he's kind of with Drew Brees. I think he probably should be done. He just doesn't look like the same, uh, Big Ben, he just doesn't have like any mobility whatsoever. He he can throw the ball still, but I mean, once anyone just kind of touches him, he, he 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 can't do what he used to do. That just kind of sucks. But Mason Rudolph, he's also the backup there. He's a younger guy. 
from what we've seen from him, he, he's not exactly, you know, the next Ben Roethlisberger, but neither is Dwayne Haskins. So I just, it is kind of a little head scratcher, as I said, like why you would sign this guy when you kind of already have a young backup to begin with, unless you see some sort of upside, or maybe he's like the Jacoby Brissett, where you just kind of bring him in to be like the athletic quarterback because the old veteran quarterback can't move at all. But then Dwayne Haskins, that's not really his game either. So I, I don't know where he would fit in in the, the Pittsburgh offense. It's one of those situations where he he is a good model to build, I guess. You know, if you give him the the mentorship, the coaching, the practice and everything, I think he would be a better fit once Big Ben leaves. Um, it just depends on what he wants to retain knowledge wise and, you know, everything in between. If he doesn't give a fuck, he just wants to make his money. Fine. Be a backup fucking for the rest of your career. Be a nobody who gives a shit. But if you if you take the knowledge that Ben's going to pass on, that the coaching staff's going to pass on, that all these other players that are going to you're going to see in your lifetime. He definitely has the the build, the mentality for the opportunity to be a great quarterback. Now let's move on to some head coaching hires. We have three head coaching hires, and I believe the only vacancy right now is the Houston Texans job, which is a very big one with everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson. But first we have Brandon Staley, former defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. He is staying in LA, but he is going to be the head coach of the Chargers, Dominic. So bringing in a uh, Sean McVay guy, defensive guy, the Chargers didn't really have any issues on offense. Special teams and defense might have been their weak link. Do you think this is a good move for the Chargers to go kind of a defensive direction with their head coach? Definitely a good move. I, I, I would like actually to to say that their defense was all right. It was usually the last quarter that usually is where the defense lost some of the games. They're good. The first three, the fourth is usually where they lost they lost their games. So I'm hoping he will tighten up their defense, but I think it's a great, great addition. We shall see about that. Then moving on to Detroit, they have got their guy. They got Dan Campbell, former assistant head coach and tight ends coach for the New Orleans Saints. He comes into Detroit and he just had a crazy uh, press conference on his introduction. Big football guy, Dan Campbell is in. We, we don't know what that kind of culture is going to be, what kind of uh, environment he's going to produce, but he seems like a fun football guy. And he, uh, I mean, he's had his moments. He was an interim head coach for the Miami Dolphins. I think when Philbin was uh, booted, or I think it was Philbin, or maybe it was Gase. I don't know. One of those guys was was gone, and he kind of filled in for a little bit. So uh, another guy getting his shot to really be the guy in Detroit. Kind of an unknown, I would say. He's I mean, if he's linked to Sean Payton, Sean Payton's a damn good coach. And if you can get, you know, 90% of a Sean Payton, I think that the Lions will definitely take that. Maybe uh, not the smartest thing I'm going to say right now, but do you think, do you see Stafford ever getting replaced? I mean, I know he's a good quarterback and all, but I mean, he's been there for how long? And I feel like, I mean, he puts up good numbers, but do you see him ever getting benched for anyone else? I don't really remember if Stafford is exactly a free agent, but he could be someone who gets moved in the off season. I, I still think he has some value to him. I mean, when you 
when he was on the field with all of his weapons, he would produce. I think it's kind of more of the defense kind of lacking a little bit. I think I don't think it's the offense that's really the issue, but I mean, Matt Stafford, he's getting up there. I think you need to look towards the future. You can't just bank on him being there for like Tom Brady, be there for maybe like the next eight years. You need to look at the future. And I don't know where they exactly want to go in that direction because I mean, they have good pieces built around him. You got Deandre Swift, you got TJ Hawkinson, you got uh, the wide receivers over there. So he, he, I think he's good for now. It's almost kind of like, I think we talked about with Matt Ryan last week, like he's good right now but you need to look ahead because he's not going to be there forever. I just, I just, the thing I can't wrap my head around is, you know, I feel like last season he was a little hurt. I'm not going to say the whole season, but I feel like there's a lot of games where he was unknown or he was always, he wasn't hundred percent. He had the thumb issue. He had a ribs issue. So it was kind of like, no, he didn't have his full, he kind of had his full gamut of guys around him in the beginning but yeah. then some people were injured and then he got injured. So that just kind of threw everything off. Not saying the, the Lions yeah, are going like, to make the, the playoffs at any means, but. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm not saying that either. But I just feel like Stafford, I mean, if like you said, if you're looking towards the future, when would be the right time to get rid of him or to trade or however you want to go about it? I mean, he's one of those guys that I feel like in Indy could possibly land him. And I think it would be a good fit. I was also thinking possibly San Francisco. I think San Francisco does need to look in a different direction of quarterback. I, I would say, honestly, like they might be a quarterback away to kind of getting back to the Super Bowl. If you get Matt Stafford or Matt Ryan, I think that would be a, a positive upgrade, even though they might be a rental for two to three years. But I think that's a good move if the 49ers were to go in that direction. Then going to Philly, they have got their new head coach, Nick Surin, Surin, Surinani, I fucking nailed that name. The offensive coordinator for the what the uh, Colts, the offensive coordinator for the Colts. Yes, that is what he did. Speaking of the Colts, you know we got so much Colts talk on this podcast. Uh, I, I I don't know about this one. I mean, what don't you know, Brandon? I mean, it doesn't like you know get me. I mean, super excited. The Colts, their offense was fine. It wasn't like lighting the world on fire. I think they're definitely more of a defensive heavy uh, team. Now you bring in, you bring this guy in. He has some weapons to work with in Philly. I mean, he, if he's going to work with either Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz, that is a much healthier, much, you know, at more, well, Carson Wentz, we don't exactly know, but in theory, they would be much more athletic than what Philip Rivers can do. So maybe that could help him out. A little bit. And this one's a little bit of a question mark. I'm not exactly sold on him, but I'm just going to give everyone their fair shot. I mean, I I do agree with what you said. Maybe not the, I'm not going to say the best pickup, but I, I feel like, you know, you got to give everybody their chance. And I feel like out of what was left or the potential I mean, probably could have gone somewhere else, but I think I think it'll be fine. I don't see him being there for, you know, a, a long tenure, but definitely maybe a few years. And especially if the Eagles bounce back, you know, maybe maybe we're all, you know, eating our words and he proves us wrong. Maybe he will prove us wrong. I just want to say, where the hell? I know Eric Bieniemy still is in the playoffs, so you can't hire him yet, but it's a damn shame that this guy does not have a job yet as an NFL head coach. I know the Texans gig is still out there. 
And maybe if he gets hired by the Texans, that's maybe the one way that they can bring back Deshaun Watson. I don't know, but I'm just saying Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Andy, Andy Reid's right-hand man probably should have been hired last year with Robert Sala. Robert Sala got hired this year. So where the hell, what, what's going on with, with Eric Bieniemy? Why the fuck hasn't he been signed yet? It's a, it's a damn travesty. Maybe he doesn't want to leave. You never know. You never know. Now, moving on to what Eric Bieniemy is doing right now. He's still in the playoffs because he kind of knows what he's doing. On to the championship round of Dominic's Picks. That wasn't the best one. It's Dominic's Picks, y'all. Bum, bum. Dominic finally got the win last week. He went three and one. Well, I went two and two. I'm going to continue to make excuses because I did say last week I have to go with the Saints because I have to, but I also feel like the, the Buccaneers will put up a fight and probably maybe win this game. So anyways, Dominic won last week. So now we're getting into the championship game. Two games, one for the NFC, one for the AFC. We got the old guns in the NFC, young guns, AFC. Starting off with the NFC championship game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. It is supposed to be a cold, snowy game. How much does the weather affect your predictions, Dominic? The Packers are probably the maybe the hottest team alongside with the Buffalo Bills. They're playing great right now. They get the home field advantage. Tom Brady, no stranger to play in the snow, but also Tom Brady is in his mid-40s. I, I really don't know. I feel like the snow helps Packers, but I, I'm, I don't want to count Tom Brady in the playoffs out, you know, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my heart, my gut. I'm going to go with the bucks. It's going to be a hard fought battle. It's going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy game with a lot of deep passes, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of scoring, but in the end, the Buccaneers are going to come out. Earlier in the season, these two teams faced off faced off in Tampa Bay. That was the game where the Packers got up to a little bit of a lead. I think it was 10-0. Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six, and the Buccaneers just dog water them for the rest of the game. 38-10. Didn't look back. Different circumstances. It's in Lambeau. It's snowy. It's the playoffs. I'm with Dominic. I feel like, especially with what's hanging in the balance, it's very hard for me to bet against Tom Brady. He's trying to prove all the haters wrong, go to the Super Bowl with his new team, and he would be the first quarterback to play in his home stadium in the Super Bowl. That's just some crazy shit that Tom Brady it will do because he just does everything. I, I will go with the, the Buccaneers in this game. I, I like the defense. The I mean, the Green Bay Packers were able to kind of carve up the defense of the uh, Rams last week, but Aaron Donald wasn't exactly at a hundred percent and Jared Goff wasn't at a hundred percent on offense to really keep up with them. But I think with the Buccaneers coming in pretty much hundred percent healthy, I would say they got a really good defense. I think they're going to build off and see what they did successfully in that game in the regular season, build off of that. And they will replicate it. And the Buccaneers are going back to the Super Bowl, and they will be your NFC champions according to both of us here at Curveballs and Chair Shots, Dominic. I mean, is it just easy to say facts, or now that I said facts, they're going to lose? 
Dominic, I have Tom Brady in the fantasy football playoff thing. Okay, I really need him to make it to the Super Bowl. So I'm fucking jinx it, okay? Too late. God damn it. Anyways, now let's move on to the AFC Championship game. This will be taking place in Kansas City. Shouldn't be as cold and snowy as Lambeau, but I think I looked possibly some rain is in the forecast. The Kansas City Chiefs will host the Buffalo Bills and... Some breaking news that happened earlier on in the day. Patrick Mahomes has cleared protocol. He will play in Sunday's game. So we don't have to worry about what ifs, if it's Chad Henney, if it's Patrick Mahomes. This is the matchup we wanted to see. Two high-powered offenses going up against each other. Dominic, everyone loves Bills Mafia, but can the Buffalo Bills dethrone the champs in Arrowhead? I really hope so. I think it would be a great, great sight to see, to see Mahomes, who everyone is just riding high on, just collapse and defeat. I, I would love to see it. Now, going going towards going forward with my pick, though, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's kind of been proven that he's the shit. Bill's offense has been great. Defense has been kind of on and off. Um you know, I'm 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 gonna stick to the to the easy. This is an easy pick if you don't know who to pick. So I'm gonna go with Kansas City. Once again, Dominic taking my picks, and I feel like he's jinxing my fantasy playoff quarterbacks right now. But I will ride with him. I made these pick the exact same picks on Trapdoor to Hell. I said Kansas City, especially if Patrick Mahomes plays, they will win this game, and I firmly believe that. They were doing really good. They were clicking when he was playing against the Browns. Now the Browns were able to make a little bit of comeback. Browns probably should have won that game. But with Kansas, I I mean, I really like Kansas City's defense. I keep harping on it that I feel like, not that they're underrated, but I think they're kind of underappreciated because of everything that the Kansas City offense does. And Buffalo's defense, I mean, they're, they're good. They're not as like stout as they were last year, but... The Ravens also, they probably could have or should have won that game. Justin Tucker missed a few extra, uh, missed some field goals. Lamar Jackson had that pick six. So that's what 13 points they left on the board. The Bills, I think, still would be ahead if I'm, my math is correct, but still, that's a whole different ball game. Maybe the Bills running up a little bit more, but I'm going to go with Kansas City as well. So both Dominic and I have the old goat and the young goat going at it in the Super Bowl. I know the media is just going to wet their pants talking about Tom Brady going up against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl because that's what's going to happen because curveballs and sure shot said so. Are we, are we going to get like a fucking cease and desist for stealing Stone Cold's shit? I'm sorry, Stone Cold. I mean, if you, if you listen to any episode of Curveball and sure shots, you know I just steal everyone's shit. Yeah, can you fucking be original, man? Fuck. Well, yeah, I mean, you are the singer, so let's just get on with the singing that is original because it's time for Mr. X's Questions of the Week. Bum, bum. So I, I'm going to point it out here, Mr. X. You know, we look, you know, a lot of love towards Mr. X here, Curveballs and Chair Shots, but I was sweating just a little bit. Uh, he's, he's he coming for your neck? No, 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 no. Because so when we started, I I checked the, uh, you know, the uh, the G of males, and I was like, oh shit, 
we 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 don't we don't we don't have a fucking question. I was like, oh shit, how am I gonna do Mr. X's jingle if he's not here? But being the goat that he is, he actually emailed us twice within the last fucking thirty five minutes. Within the recording, he know it's like something sets off in his mind that he's like, oh shit, I think they're recording right now. I should send. Yeah, it. even exactly. when we're doing it earlier than normal. Which Dominic, I will say, we're doing a morning slash early podcast. You haven't fucked up that much, so good job. Thank you, I appreciate it. So going on with the first, well, here I'll I'll just read the 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 the, the latest one he did because it's just he he forgot to add it in there, but he just wants to say uh, about Hank Aaron, he's a true legend of the game as far as I'm concerned, a real time home run champ. R.I.P. Hammer and Hank. So with that being said, let's get into his questions. It says hi there. He says, what are your Howdy. thoughts? I fucking hate you sometimes. I swear to God. What are your thoughts on that block by Giannis on LeBron? Did you see it? Did you see it, Brandon? Did you see it? Does that mean you saw it, Dominic? No. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, I guess I got to go on the... Uh, I, I'll, the only thing I saw was uh, Draymond Green getting technical fouled and ejected for yelling at his own teammate. Yeah, which... which uh, that's not the question, so I'm not going to talk about it. But I you're did... No, no, no. But I did. I didn't see it, but I heard it was just kind of like a, you know, normal block to me. But, you know, Brandon, Brandon's going to watch the video as I go on. And then I'm sure I'll be talking about something. He'll just fucking rudely interrupt me and I'll just like, whatever. But while you're watching that video up and under, is... get that shit out of here. <laughs> was it nasty? Was it nasty? Uh, I mean, I've seen nastier, but, you know, just two goats going up against each other and it's kind of fun to see that it wasn't like it wasn't a lebron in the finals block you know game seven yeah trigger warning the block fucking cleveland anyways uh so let's see while i'm not the biggest tom brady fan if he is able to make the buck take the buccaneers and win the super bowl will even the most snarchiest i guess is i can't read and i can't S T A U N C H E S T. Wait, what? S T. <laughs> Hold on. S T. A U N. A U N. C H E S T. Oh, staunch. Staunchiest. Can you can you elaborate elaborate? What what does that mean? Like loyal. Oh, okay. Of Tom I, Brady I haters. I, I don't know if staunchiest is actually a word, but I know staunch is a word. So I, I okay. always get that. Would the most staunchiest of Brady haters have to admit he's the goat. I think so. I fucking think so. I was always a Tom Brady hater. And I think 28 to three is kind of when I was, I just ate the crow and I was like, okay, this, this dude's the goat. He's over Joe Montana. So I'm already, I'm, I've already crossed that bridge, but if he does it again, different team, not a system quarterback. I think everyone has to like, even everyone who, I, I think everyone pretty much agrees that he's probably the best of all time, but if he does this, especially wins against Kansas City or Buffalo, like come on. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I agree with you that that Falcon Super Bowl was probably the time where I was like, all right, you know, I can't hate on him anymore. But win, win or lose, he's the fucking goat. Uh, there's no doubting it. So it, this would just cement his legacy and prove that he's untouchable. Okay. Oh, on to your favorite. He's forcing him to feel you consensually. Or life. Okay. Okay. Uh, and time for your favorite segment, Brandon. Era, era, era. Are you ready? It's your favorite segment. You ready? Is it UFC time? Yep. Oh yeah. 
It's that time again. UFC 257 is tomorrow. Will Connor dominate or will Dustin pull off the upset? Oh, come on. Did he put his last name in there? Mm, no comment. Come on. Come on, Dominic. Give me. No, I'm, no I don't know. You can't, you can't Connor, send an email, so it's Okay, fine. well, the, the, the match is Connor McGregor versus Dustin Dominic. What's his last name? Dustin Poirier. Poirier. <laughs> <laughs> Where the fuck do you get Poirier from? There's no A in the fucking name. It's like French. Poirier. Fucking French. Somalier. The Somalia bitch. Okay, this I Dominic, I just <laughs> Dominic, I just put you over and then you're gonna start saying some shit like that. I mean, come on. What? You it's a country of Somalia, right? Yes, but I mean after I just said like Somalier, like Carmela Somalier, and I mean he is an African American fella. I mean, we're not gonna Anyways, okay. So uh I on Trapped in Hell, I erroneously said that Dustin Poirier beat Conor McGregor because for some godly reason I thought they he beat him like back in the day before UFC. But anyways, no, Conor McGregor beat Dustin Poirier in like two and a half minutes. Now, different weight division, different everything, you know, different circumstances, but Conor is a heavy favorite in this matchup. I think he's like minus 300, not the heaviest, but a, a solid favorite. I'm going to stick with Connor. I do think Dustin does kind of, he's a jujitsu guy, so maybe he can take him down and get him that way. But I just think Connor is just too tough on the feet and he's really, really motivated. I think he wants that Habib fight again. Now, will Habib give him that fight? I don't know. But I think that's like the one like dangling carrot in front of him that he really wants. And I don't think there's anything going to stop him from doing that. I think I'm going to go on the flippity flop on that one. I feel like because Connor has so much to gain, He's going to be a little overconfident. I feel like ever since the boxing match and the Habib fight, he's been kind of, you know, just not himself. I know he took some time off and he looks good. I mean, he fucking looks jacked ripped like always, but I feel like this is, you know, kind of like, kinda, I mean, it's not too relatable, but kind of like Ronda where when she lost that fight and she came back and she lost again, it just wasn't the same and she had to leave. So I'm going to put my money on a, uh, Poirier. Oh, look at that. I see you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh Oh, more hockey talk. I Ooh. like it. I like it. At any point in your life, did you become obsessed with any certain sport? I asked this because as a young kid, I saw The Mighty Ducks. Great movie. For years I after. You. I told you. I fucking <laughs> called it. Big for years <laughs> shut the fuck up for years after i became obsessed with all things hockey and that's also why the ducks are my favorite team to this day but is there also a special place in my heart for minor league hockey teams the cincinnati cyclones as well as now the defunct cincinnati mighty ducks and the san jose barracuda barracudas are forever my favorite team not just because we saw almost like seven people die on the ice that day, but dollar beer can't beat it. I mean, I think I saw more people almost die in the stands because someone couldn't chuck a puck. But that's <laughs> just here, neither here nor there. Hey, I'm just going to say it. Hey, kid, if you're listening to this, I'm the one that threw the puck, hit you in the chest. My bad. Um, not my brightest, uh, not, not my happiest moment being a baseball player, and I'm not able to chuck a foam puck over a fucking... <laughs> it's a little lighter you're not used to throwing something so light so you kind of overcompensate and you release it too late and it just goes oh, man you know, four rows in front of you and it just pelts like a seven-year-old but that's okay we've all been there buddy hey i gave him a a little wave like my bad and he was cool with it i mean but hey i would have just sat down and be like i don't know what the, i don't know what the fuck happened but i will say 
that kid could have picked up the puck and threw it a little closer to the thing. I could have won. I would have gave it, you know, would have shared it with him, whatever. But kid, kid's a dick. God. Anyways, uh, that was the last sports thing. Now we've got a couple things for wrestling. How? By the way, Mr. X, I'm still in love with baseball. I will never fall out of love with baseball. Is there a baseball movie that made you fall in love with it even more? Sandlot. Cool, 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 cool. I would probably say, I mean, I love baseball, but I think basketball is probably my more more bigger, watched. Bigger, bigger, but yeah. Right? No, Space Jams. Space the original, the original Space Jam, not this LeBron bullshit. Space okay? Jam Two, uh, Trapdoor to Curveballs and Chair Shots review coming soon. Maybe, maybe. And I mean maybe. coming soon. I mean in January or July, whenever it comes out. Maybe. Anyways, onto the wrestling. How would you feel if Biggie is one of the is the one to dethrone Roman as Universal Champ? Personally, I would love to see that. I think that would be a good idea. I don't know if he's ready at this very moment. But if you keep Roman strong and you have Biggie doing his own thing on the IC front and Roman is champion into next year's WrestleMania, I definitely do think that that's one of the guys you can build up because we say it all the time, 50, 50 booking, just everyone is so devalued. And yes, Biggie has been, I don't know, let's say devalued, but he's been in the tag team for such a long time that he hasn't had those 50, 50 losses like everyone else. And yeah. if you and if you put him on the track to say, look, we're gonna make him be the guy to beat him, but it's also hard to say because there's no fans, and usually the fans are the ones that well should decide who is the next guy. And if Vince has a stick up his ass and says Biggie's the guy, then I have no problem with that. But also, as fans start to trickle back in, I think by the end of by the end of this year, hopefully, we're gonna get to some sort of normalcy where maybe we're gonna get some sort of arenas again with fans so i think it's a little too early to tell because i just don't see it happening this wrestlemania it'd probably be next wrestlemania well my my thing more is i, I would be fine with it but my thing is how do you get biggie to that upper echelon is it he drops the title goes to world rumble wins it or is it just kind of thrown into is it just thrown that you're the new challenger you're gonna win so my thing is how how do we get that transition from mid card champion to the challenger to the top champion would be my only issue and how, how he gets from that spot to the next spot. Um, I still think he needs to tweak his character just a little bit. He's a little too much over the top, too much, you know, new day pastory, I think for me, but he's very entertaining. I think he connects well with the audience, but I think maybe just a little bit of tweak, a little more seriousness, I think can uh, make him a quote unquote main event guy. Good, good, good. So, that is it with uh, the WWE talk on to some AEW talk. And I know Brandon probably has a lot to say about this. Thoughts on what kind of match Sting will have as he teams with his number one son, Darby Allen, at Revolution. Will it be a cinematic outing or a traditional tag match in front of a crowd? The street fight. So you can, and the whole premise of the promo was we're going to take it to the streets. So does that mean it's going to be an actual fight in the streets? And if it is, I think that is more of a cinematic route or a pre-taped route. And I think that is probably the way you want to portray standing, like keep him healthy. Cause I just, I don't know what his body is like. I know he's, he's been off for a few years and the body is probably going to feel great when you're not taking bumps in like five years. But then when you get back in the ring and you try to do that bump, it, it's, you know, just kind of resets everything. So I would probably say I'd lean more towards a cinematic match. Which 
I think would be fine. I mean, I think they, they can do really cool things with Sting being in the cinematic. Cinematic. Cinematic match. Cinnamon, he's in a cinnamon match. I can't fucking speak today. God damn it. But, um, you know, because you can do a lot of cool things with him, you know, just popping up in random spots and really just fucking with everyone. Um, so, I mean, definitely, I don't think it's be traditional. But going on to last but not least, with Matt Hardy and Private Party showing up in Impact, plus the fact that Private Party are now number one contenders for the Impact tag titles, how much talent sharing will we see between the two companies? We are starting to see... A little bit more. I thought it was just going to be a Kenny Omega thing, but now we're starting to see more AEW in bleed into impact. Uh, the Hardy Party are, I guess, officially heels now after the match they had this week on Dynamite. It is interesting because the Good Brothers, I guess, were heels. So then does that make Private Party heels? And what exactly is that dynamic there? But uh, I, I would... I mean, after what I've seen, I would probably say yes, we're going to see more. And I, once again, want to see more women. I want to see a a more talent trading of the women. And and they have the women, whatever, eliminator tag or eliminator tournament. So maybe that's Mm -hmm. the way they can get some of the impact women in there. Cool, cool, cool. And that's it for Mr. X. Brandon, I will say we do have a Twitter question. Oh, shit. I haven't opened it yet, but let's see. What? Is it a dick pic from Jared Porter? No, it's a... Oh, it's a spam. I got excited. It's a spam thing. God damn damn it. Well, could you you read the spam? Yeah. Do you like my tits? You want to touch it? I want sex with hot boys. Click the link. I'm going to... Are you going to click the link? I'm going to delete it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to deep enough into the podcast. The studio audience won't hear this. And that is it, unless you have any Instagram questions. No, neither Haley or Ty Gundy 27 slid into the DMs and asked us a question. So it is just Mr. X's questions of the week today. Bum, bum. And he is greatly appreciated for his contributions to this podcast on and off the air. So Mr. X, thank you. And if you want to be like Mr. X, get your own jingle. Maybe not. Don't know. Depends how many, how often you do it. Just email us curveball at and curveballncs at gmail.com. And slide into the DMs or respond to our tweets or Instagram post, Twitter, Instagram, curveballs, and CS. Follow us on Facebook and the Instagram. Just simply type in curveballs and share shots and we should pop up. Now let's get into the world of pro wrestling. Not a lot of news per se to talk about, but the only big news really that I wanted to talk is WrestleMania. Normally, WrestleManias are kind of a each year thing that we get the bidding and we find out where everything is. But WWE put out a cringy newscast type of announcement and they just blurted out the next three locations for WrestleMania. So this year is going to be in Raymond James Stadium, home of the Bucks, home of the Super Bowl was supposed to be last year. Now it's this year's. There was rumbling that this was the case. So officially, this is what is taking place. Uh, Also, we're hearing some stuff that they want fans, that there will be fans. I just saw something from Adam Schefter that there will be fans at the Super Bowl. Same stadium, Dominic. Your thoughts on WrestleMania being in Tampa Bay and probably the first WWE event with fans. Too soon? Too late? What's your thoughts? I think think it it depends on how the Super Bowl goes. And it's two days. So it's even more people. Yeah. Ingramingling or whatever. 
but like I said, it depends on how the Super Bowl goes because you have media week and all the stuff that goes on for the Super Bowl. So, and just like WWE, they have the week long of all the fucking. Well, it depends if they do that as well. I mean, if I don't know. Do all, I like, don't know the, what they're doing with NXT. I know NXT has a thing for uh, Valentine's Day. They're mm-hmm. probably gonna have a takeover. Well, I mean, if if it's a two day event, maybe do something Friday. But also, they're I've heard that they're gonna do some sort of virtual Hall of Fame thing. So maybe that'll be Friday. Maybe that's Thursday or SmackDown's Friday. So then that just messes everything. So I don't know what the fuck is gonna happen. Just shut the fuck up. Anyways. But I think it depends on how the Super Bowl goes. If yes, their fans and <laughs> if their fans are good and healthy and nothing comes out that, you know, everyone's sick now, I am sure WWE will go along with it. But I feel like if Super Bowl goes south and you have outbreak crazy, I'm pretty sure WWE will nix that immediately. But I'm happy. The news segment thing was I did not like it at all. I mean, I understand they were trying to be they were trying to make it cringy crap, but it was just terrible. I would have just, you know, held like a press conference or something like that. You, you remember when WWE used to do those like press conferences for WrestleMania, like pay-per-views and stuff? Those are cool. Yeah, but that was back before we had a pandemic and we could get people in a small enclosed area. But anyways, I am on the thing that I feel like it's still a little too early. I, I still don't like that there's fans at these SEC games, at these football games, and even in AEW, I mean... I know it's like very, very small amount of people that are there, but I still feel like it's a little bit unnecessary. We don't need it, but it's WWE. They've waited, I think, long enough in their eyes, and it's WrestleMania. They don't have two WrestleManias back-to-back with no fans, and that's what they're going to do. They also announced the next two WrestleManias as well, uh, Dallas next year, and then where we're supposed to be this year before the old Rona decided to show up, Los Angeles, so we'll have uh dallas next year los angeles the week of the year after and i think this is kind of more of i don't know what scheduling is but i think wwe's thinking of is what we should be clear in 2022 maybe there'll be some restrictions but it's dallas right after having no no fans and limited fans in back-to-back years we want to go to dallas the biggest place have the most attendance we can get and then maybe california still has regulations and stuff planned by next year so then la can get their wrestlemania in two years when there shouldn't be anything going on when there shouldn't be but there's gonna be california is gonna be the most strict state going forward i'm sure they're gonna you know have a bunch of fucking protocol and stuff but you know but if we're still dealing with that bullshit in 2023 i mean just just put me in the ground okay you heard it here i get it i get to pull the trigger whoa who said anything about like shooting me just like euthanize me or something. Fine, I'll put the fucking syringe in your G's. In my G's? In my my genetics? Dominic, your thoughts on the other two WrestleManias? No, I I think it's I think it's a good idea. Going going to Texas and fucking making a shit ton of money. But then again, if we're still dealing with Rona, you know, I I don't know how good of an idea it is. Now I would I much rather them maybe reserved it and been like, hey, if everything goes according to plan, this is what WrestleMania is going to be, because I feel like if we're still dealing with things, you're not going to you're going to actually lose money on WrestleMania having it there. So, you know, but that's just me. Still waiting for that Las Vegas WrestleMania. Now let's get on to the world of AEW and NXT. Get on to the recaps. We start AEW Dynamite with, what else? A tag team match. We get Hangman and the Dark Order taking on Luther. 
and his minions and uh well this was all because it was for negative one's birthday so they came out wished him happy birthday in the end hangman and dark order get the win solid match uh to start the show off but the main storyline after the fact at uh i did it again not adam silver john silver no that's the fish sticks the fuck's his name what, what are you talking johnny about hungry. johnny hungry is, is the name john silver yeah okay well is, isn't the uh what am I thinking? Of? Long Adam John Silver. Sil- Long John Silver. There Jesus we go. Christ. Anyways, Johnny Hungry asked Hangman to uh, if he wanted to be in the Dark Order, and Hangman said, "No, I can't because I've already been a part of a team once, and that didn't really work out." And they had like the big old celebration ready. They had like the Cowboys in the background, and they were trying to kick him off stage. Well, I thought that was very funny, but uh, Hangman Adam Page had to let him down easy. So no Cowboy in the Dark Order. Sad to see. Which I can already tell you the foreshadowing. He will join eventually, but I, I kind of like this kind of ongoing like Dark Order trying to get him, persuade him to come in. But one thing I'd like more is to find the the time the day that Hangman finally says, you know what, fuck it, I'll join. I want them to immediately say, no, we you had your chance and they bring someone else in. That's what I'm waiting for. So you're waiting for the Dark Order heel turn, which I don't know if you can turn him heel at the moment, but that's a that's a way to do it, I guess. Not right now, but I mean, I mean, it's kind of the thing is like, hey, you should join. No. Hey, you should join. No. Hey, you should join. No. And then after somebody knows and then you ask him one more time and he says, OK, fine. And then you say, you know what? Fuck you. We don't need after you. After the been- 62nd time they ask. Exactly. Then you, then you say yes. Exactly. No, not exactly. But we get Jericho and MGF cutting a promo building to the main event. Inner Circle Tag Team Turmoil Match, whatever the hell you want to call it. It was a promo. It was fine. I assume Dominic doesn't have anything else to talk about in this segment. Then, not really. Moving on to Sting and Darby. Uh, Sting was supposed to congratulate Darby on his win. Of course, they get interrupted by Team Taz on the Jumbotron. And as we talked about in the Mr. X's questions, uh, Team Taz cuts a promo saying, like, oh, you want to take it to this, you know, let's take it to the streets because you're not from the streets, blah, 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 blah. This sets up the street fight, not announced on Dynamite, but the day after. Team Taz's promo was okay. I still feel like Stink and his promos were kind of clunky and the syntax is kind of off and uh, the awkward five-second dead air space after Taz challenged them and they just had the camera on him and then they switched to Darby and Sting and Sting whispered something in Darby's ear and then Darby just kind of was like, we accept. Okay, that was just kind of clunky and not the best. Um. The one thing I want to take away from this is how Taz says, you're not from the streets. Pretty sure Brian Cage ain't from the motherfucking streets. So we know Will Hobbs is from the streets, baby. EPA all day. He's from East Palo Alto. Yeah, boy. I didn't know that. I I knew this from the Bay. I didn't know it was from East Palo Alto. Jeez. That is the streets. I worked over there. It's crazy. Um, But, you know, I, I feel like that promo. I mean, I, I, I guess everything you said is everything was clunky, kind of not really put together very well, because when he said you're not from the streets, it's kind of like Taz. I think you're speaking only for half of your little clique. So, yeah, didn't 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 really go didn't really go over well with me. 
then we get the Young Bucks showing up at Kenny Omega's house. I do like how I think uh, Tony Khan is, is a real stickler for explaining for why the cameras are there. I think they kind of go out of their way to explain it, which I kind of I appreciate. It is a little you know, awkward sometimes, but I appreciate that they do that. Uh, the Young Bucks go to Kenny's house. They get greeted by Michael Nakazawa. They talk to Don Callis. And Callis is just kind of his usual stooge self, tries to pay them off, and then the Young Bucks apparently beat him up but uh, we're not exactly sure. We didn't see it. Don Callis selling it, having a black eye. Maybe it's makeup, maybe it's not. We don't exactly know. But uh, Dominic, your thoughts on this whole kind of segment? I thought it was fine. Um, I, I I much rather have a, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I mean, instead of having like a good camera crew, I mean, can, can, they could do something with like a cell phone camera, you know? You can you can have somebody videotape Young Bucks beating Callus up or, you know, something like that. Like you can have like a, you know, Instagram live and have it be, you know, just so it's not really having to be explained, like why the cameras are there or why, you know, there's a crew of people here. You know, it's like you can just be like, oh, we're Instagram live and something can happen and then they fight or whatever, whatever storyline they want to go with. But I mean, but I if do they're agree. on Instagram live or there's no uh, records of them being on Instagram live. And that's just a plot hole. Yeah, but I don't know. You're you're thinking too much into it now, Brandon. Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. But uh, it was okay. I think the young bucks still are kind of on a rocky road on exactly where they land on the face heel. How we're supposed to feel about them? But I I did feel like maybe it was supposed. It's too early to beat up Don because I I mean he's the the heel manager and you're supposed to like he's all supposed to get away with it until he does it. And I kind of want this the next story to be that Don made this up. They didn't actually beat him up. It kind of looked like it, but the young bucks walked away. They were the bigger men. And, but then Don Callis kind of took it upon himself to, you know, put on this makeup and make it think, make him think, make Kenny think that they beat him up. So then, you know, Kenny really goes after the young bucks. But then all you're really doing is having a, you know, club, whatever they're called, the elite, whatever, you're just having everyone kind of main event again. And that's kind of what I alluded to in the beginning was they're going to be booking themselves. In Dominic, these great we're, a year and a, we're like a, over a year into it, and we're finally getting Kenny Omega as the main eventer. All right, calm down. It is ridiculous. He is over fucking – he's just too over. He's just too over. Someone else who is kind of over is Cody Rhodes. He takes on pretty Peter Avalon. And this match, I think, went way too long. It goes about 10 minutes. There's a commercial break in the middle. Uh, Cody gets the win via tap out. Jade Cargo makes an appearance next week. Cody is going to finally address whatever the hell Shaq said like two months ago. He's going to finally address it. So thank you, Cody. We've all been waiting. And yeah, I mean, your thoughts on the match kind of everything surrounding it. And now Cody having a sight set on Shaq next week. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really, really liking it too much. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how much uh, the pregnancy really put things in a loop, but I will say I do like the running bit of Excalibur mispronouncing Bert Kreischer's name. Every time he plugs the go big show, I think that's fun. I mean, that that's funny, but like I said, when it, when it comes to the Shaq thing, I just don't really, I, I don't really know how much I'm going to like it. Shaq is definitely not a worker, not anything. I mean, if we've seen everything from, from WWE, he's, he's stiff. So I, I just don't know what we're to expect. 
don't know what will we expect. We'll have to stay tuned to find out. We get Matt Seidel in Top Flight taking on the Hardy Party. Talked about it a little bit where the private party actually, they, I guess they officially turned heel. They used a chair to beat up on one of the Top Flight guys and they get the win. A little bit of a sloppy match, I think, that when you get these two guys uh, these four guys in here where they kind of do all these fast moving spots and sometimes they get way too out ahead of themselves and it just doesn't look very good. This is kind of what can happen when, when those guys are in the ring, but overall the match was all right. The, I think the prevailing story here was the focus on private party and Matt Hardy where now they are officially heels. You know, I, I, I talked a lot of shit about private party cause I didn't really think they were, you know, no, I'm not going to say ready, but I definitely don't think they were ready for this type of publicity, but I, I think they're handling it fine. The match was fine. That chair shot, I mean, eh, it's not the best. But putting them with Hardy, definitely a great mentorship and a great way for them to really hone in their skills. So I'm, I'm not, you know, not really shitting on them too much. We get Layla Kirsch taking on Penelope Ford. Ford gets the win with some outside help. We get the kind of first step in Chuck Taylor not being a young boy now. Now he's a butler, which I sure, I guess. Uh, Penelope Ford gets the win. I mean, but most of the uh, focus was on Chuck Taylor, Mr. Taylor and uh, Miro. They have the wedding set up next week or the week after. So that should be... uh, should be fun, I guess. Can't wait. Sounds very exciting. So excited, I just can't hide it. We get FTR and Jurassic Express in a backstage segment. Uh, this sets up Dax Harwood taking on Jungle Boy in a singles match. On the other podcast, me and Philip were split on who should win. Dominic, who do you think should win this match? Jungle Boy. And I agree with you, Dominic. That's why I like you. That's why you're a smart little fella. Thank you. Because I feel Jungle Boy... I'm not saying, you know, Dax and the FTR guys can't win singles matches, but I think having Jungle Boy win this match, I think that would uh, be a good little catapult or nice little stepping stool board for him. Yeah. Anyways, John Moxley has a match. He has a little bit of a squash match. Uh, Mox gets the win. A little on the longer side of a squash match. He cuts a promo after the fact, just kind of stating, you know, he's here and he's going to, you know, people up and he's the best in the world and blah 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 blah. simple straightforward stuff from moxley here yep and you can't really go too much in depth because it's a squash match and you know his mic skills pretty good so i mean all all along just a great great moxley segment uh, we had kingston family promo eddie kingston and lance archer will have a match next week i believe uh, I mean, good promos. I, it was nice. It was fun to see Jake finally come back and actually get some talking time. And so that was a nice to see Jake talk a little bit. Sure. I'm yeah. not, I don't really care about Jake right now. I think he just stay off. Let Archer do his thing. I, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world to have Larch, Larcher be his own guy. Uh, then in the main event, we had the Inner Circle Triangle Tag Team match to determine who actually is the real tag team of the Inner Circle. MJF and Jericho win after MJF gets the uh, roll-up pin over Proud and Powerful and Sammy Hagar. Uh, they, they went right up to the time limit of the uh, TV time, so MJF gets the win, then they fade to black, really. So kind of hard to really, if they had anything planned afterwards, you didn't see it. 
in I guess MJF and Jericho are the only tag team now in the inner circle. Is that like my understanding? Is that correct, Dominic? I guess. I mean, even though Proud and Powerful is the legit tag team, but you know, whatever. I guess. Does that mean they're singles competitors now? Which makes no fucking sense. It doesn't really make all that much sense, but I have some faith in AEW that they'll, they'll tell a story. Maybe this is maybe MJF is the bigger person. And he's allows them to be tag teams or whatever, which kind of seems like a dick move. But anyways, we shall see overall. I think AEW. I mean, it wasn't exactly the best. Nothing was like God awful, but nothing it, it really stood out on this show. Kind of just a bare, bare basic show. Just, yeah, kind of, you know, they had their big shows. They're kind of resetting themselves and they're building towards revolution. They do have the the beach break, beach blast show coming up. So that's going to have uh, some, some bigger time matches on there. We get uh, the start of the NXT Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Cup. We get some matches here. Beth Phoenix, finally back live in person on commentary. Yay, Beth is back. Ooh, Bethy Beth. Yeah. Okay, we get Leon Ruff and Kushida taking on Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano in the opener. And in the end, we get Leon Ruff and Kushida after Kushida hits a Fisherman suplex on the North American champion for the pinfall win. So Kushida getting wins over Johnny Gargano. Uh, This definitely cements that Kushida is next in line for the North American championship. Kind of interesting to have Gargano take the pinfall here and not Theory. But Leon Ruff and Kushida move on. I think it's great. Finally, Kushida is getting what he deserves, with which is the limelight. And I don't think they're going to win the tournament. But like you said, he is next in line for that title. Then we get Karrion Cross with Scarlet in a squash match. Cross gets the win, and then after the fact, Cross attacks his part, his person, or he attacked. Troy with the chokehold as Troy was trying to help his partner out of the ring. So we get uh, Karen Cross. He's still here and he's beaten up some schmucks. And what else do you expect from Karen Cross? So I'm happy and I can't wait to see him champion. I don't know. I fucked up. I want to see him champion. There we go. Imperium takes on Lucha House Party in the Dusty Cup and Lucha House Party. Gets the wins, so kind of two upsets here on the show. Uh, your thoughts on NXT kind of putting their their faith behind Lucha House Party, having uh, oh my god, what's his name? I got it. Don't don't tell me, Dominic. Don't tell me. I'm not because you don't know Grand Metalik in the Cruiserweight Championship a few weeks ago. So they're, they're having Lucha house party be a little bit of a bigger presence, but it, I think it also kind of hurts NXT because you have these main roster rejects like Brizongo, like Lucha house party come down and now they're successful without really telling a rebuilding storyline, but they're good workers. They have good matches. So I can't complain too, too much, I guess. Then why are you complaining? I said too, too much. I can still complain. Oh, okay. Well, it's okay. I, I didn't watch that part. So, anyways, well, I guess you would know that after the match, Alexander Wolf, who has been absent for months, showed up and he and he saluted his Imperium brethren. So there you go. Alexander Wolf is he back. just saluted. That's it. Mm-hmm. Wow, breathtaking. 
breathtaking. Uh, in hour two, we get Casey, Kat, and Zaro, and Kate and Carter taking on Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. And once again, we get another upset with Casey, Kat, and Zaro, and Carter winning over the kind of maybe two front runners for the women's championship. I know they're more of a cemented tag team, Carter and Catanzaro are, but I feel like that's kind of wild that you have them beat the returning Mercedes Martinez and one of the lead heels in Tony Storm. The only thing I had to take away from this is Katie's little top rope finisher move. Like did, I don't think she landed it fully. So I, I, I would, only thing I got to say is take away one flip or turn in the air, land on them. And I think she has a devastating finisher. Uh, we get Mackenzie Mitchell following Finn Balor into uh, Mr. Regal's office. And he said that he wanted Pete Dunn and he knows the game Dunn is trying to play. Dun, dun, dun. So oh, well, let's see what I did there. I'm so clever. You're fucking stupid. Wow. Uh, Bronson Reed and Isaiah Swerve Scott have a little backstage uh, skirmish. So maybe they are setting up a match right there. Uh, we get Tyler Rust with Malcolm Bivens taking on Bronson Reed. And in the end, Bronson Reed gets the win as he should, you know, setting some things up with Bivens and Rust, but they run into the big baddie in Bronson Reed as Bronson Reed should have won. I mean, what's going on with Bronson Reed? I mean, the last time we talked about him, he was like, you know, gunning for the title. And now he's just back down. Like, what the hell is going on? Creative has nothing for you, so might as well just uh, beat up on some guys. I don't know exactly what they're doing with Rust because Bivens kind of went out of his way. We haven't seen him in forever. He brought in that the Indian, like they, you know, brought in some sort of big tag team and haven't seen them since. So I don't exactly know what's going on with him, but. You know, Bivens uh, trying to teach up Rust. I don't know where they're going to go with him, but uh, we shall see about that. Uh, we get Balor entering the Undisputed Era dressing room. Finn said he was calling in a favor and that they are all grown men. He looked at Kyler Riley and asked if he was in or if he was still sucking his meals through a straw. And so Kyle eventually said, I'm in, brother. You son of a bitch. I'm in. Balor paused and said, see you next week. See you next week, champ. Kyle O'Reilly said so. Beautiful. Set up a tag team match for next week. Love to fucking see it. I would love to see Finn join Undisputed, but, you know, that's just me grasping for straws. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get Santos Escobar in the ring, and he talks and talks and talks, and uh, yeah. Santos Escobar was there. Moving on. Uh, we get the main event. We get the fight pit. Timothy Thatcher takes on Tommaso Ciampa. If you don't know, it is the fight pit. The rules are as followed. No pinfall. You can only win by KO or submission. In the end, Timothy Thatcher gets the win in around 1530, as he should. Timothy Thatcher beats Tommaso Ciampa in Timothy Thatcher's match. Really solid, hard-hitting stuff here. Don't know if I would say it would be better than the Matt Riddle match in the open, the uh, first fight pit, but I am really happy that they didn't have Thatcher lose in his match. Now, where do you see Thatcher going from here? Is this feud with Ciampa done, or what's going on? 
I still am on the fence of thinking like they are just going to beat the hell. They're the shameless Cesaro. They're going to just beat the fuck out of each other. And then at the end of the day, they just look and be like, I like you. And they're going to become a tag team. And do they go on to be successful like Seamus and Cesaro? Or do they go on just to be a mid-tier, you know, just, eh, look, they're here. And then that's it. I think Ciampa does kind of pull up Thatcher. I have been impressed on how much they've put into Thatcher thus far. He did fall off a little bit, uh, especially losing to uh Champa at that takeover but uh, getting the win here I think does kind of put him back on track it is 50-50 booking hopefully they kind of stay away from it and they don't go right back into it and you know have a regular match where uh, Champa wins but it's the I kind of see the fight pit as being like the final boss that's the end of it we're done we can move on okay let's move on to the sign off let's move on to the sign off and yeah we are on to the sign-off, as the kids would say. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Another episode of Curveballs and Share Shots. Next week, a big week. We got the Royal Rumble preview next week. We don't have the Super Bowl, but we will know who will be in the Super Bowl, so maybe we get a little bit of some Super Bowl talk, maybe some recap of what happened in the championship game. We don't exactly know what we're going to be doing, but stay tuned to find out. Thank you to Mr. X for sending in the questions. Thank you to all the people that maybe think about sending the questions if you're thinking about it dominic where could they send in those questions even though i already told them but we're going to tell them again in, well, a, I mean, in the description if they're if they're not even following us brandon oh god if you're not even following us you should follow us twitter curveballs and cs uh facebook curveballs and chair shots instagram curveballs and cs youtube curveballs Chair shots, looks up, send us questions, curveballs cs at gmail.com. Um, Curveball yeah. and cs at gmail.com. I, th- I thought I changed it. You, I'm pretty sure you did not. Oh. Curveball and cs. I mean, if you want to go back and change it to like make a whole new account, you can. No, Mr. X is already used to this one. I'm not going to change that shit. Exactly. But I always put it in the description. So if you made it this far, you should look in the description. I always link everything in there. Until next time, no studio audience, but thank you to the studio audience and the mascot and the big dog and the little dog and everyone in between. I was on the episode of Trapdoor to Hell. If you guys want to check that out after you, I mean, if I'm, I'm plugged at the very end. So you've already listened to this podcast. So go listen to Trapdoor to Hell. Go give them a listen and everything like that. It's a long one, but very insightful. Until next time, thank you all very much. That's been Dominic. I've been Brandon. Goodbye and good night. Uh, go bang.